wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Welcome. If you want to find links to connect with us through Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, or to find other episodes, just head to bleedingdaylight.net. Please share this and other episodes with others. My guest today has faced heartbreaking struggles and losses. He is now extending the support he received during his darkest times to others facing their own battles. Chris Granger is a devoted husband, a father to three girls and one son. He's a certified financial coach and works as an engineering and services manager. While it sounds like he's living a great life, there was a point in time where his life was spiralling out of control and he felt completely helpless. He now uses the storms of his own life to encourage others. He's my guest today on Bleeding Daylight. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. All right, it's a pleasure to be here, sir. I touched on the fact that things weren't always as good as they are now, and I want to explore the storms in your life. But firstly, take me back to the years before those struggles began. What was your early life like? I was just extremely blessed. I had two loving parents. I had a, a brother, a younger brother, growing up in the in the southern United States. Kind of a simple life, to be honest. Played a lot of sports and just did things as a family together, vacations and things like that. But uh, was just very blessed to, to have two parents that were there for me, that were always guiding and directing me, showing me the right way to do things. And uh, my dad's my, my hero, so it was always just good to, to have him in my life, to be able to to show me the right way to do things, you know, versus the, the way the world's going to tell you. Really just kind of growing up, I, I have a lot of memories of just spending time together as a family. As you're growing up, you're enjoying life, as you say, this simple life. And then, of course, you get a little bit older, you start to look out to what the world has to offer. Tell me about how things went for you then. The big shift for me was, when, I guess, for a lot of people where I went to college. You know, I went away from, from the home that I was living to uh, living on my own in a university that was several hours away. Granted, it wasn't across the country, but it was still, it was far enough away where, where I had a ton of independence and also found myself in that moment where I didn't have any anybody around me that was a mentor or guiding and directing me at that you know from the day to day standpoint. My dad was still there, obviously, but he wasn't you know living in the same city that I was in. That's where I, I ran into a, not really a bad crowd, but not a really a good crowd either that was pulling me closer to God. So it was in those moments where, looking back now, they were a lot of fun. I mean, I had a lot of fun in college and things like that, but I definitely didn't grow. There was no true growth as a man, you know, while I was in college, other than just checking the boxes of going to the classes. And as you're starting to, I guess, move further away from the kind of life that you had lived to this point, do you think that it was just those earlier years where finally you're somewhat free of those constraints and you decided to act out a little bit? Not so much where, I mean, even when I was at home, I was still... My parents gave me enough freedom to do some things where I never felt constrained. It was just, quite frankly, the result of the people that I was around. Drugs were a big part of the really just the culture of that school in particular, uh, and alcohol. So, I mean, there was just all sorts of, of opportunities to go down the wrong path. And there were definitely, I'm sure 
if I were to go to the university now, I would be able to find those areas of light, those areas of, of, of truth that, that I really lean into now as an integral part of my life. But just back then, I wasn't deeply enough connected to my faith to really seek that out on my own, if that makes sense. So, I mean, I would kind of go through the motions, if you will, when I was uh, back home of, of being a Christian and being walking with God. But it wasn't it, it wasn't anything that ha- that had any deep roots. And that came out abundantly clear when I was there and, you know, then manifested itself later into some of the other trials that I'm sure we'll, we'll unpack together. So where did that lead? You, you've been to college. Did you then finish college and, and move back home? Yeah, so I finished college, and then I, I had a co. I did some co-op while I was in engineering school with the electrical company, and then they had a job waiting for me when I graduated. So I actually I had the job offer in February. I graduated in May and started working in June, and so that gave me an opportunity to go straight from studies to application as a sales engineer. So that was the direct path I went and that and that role was back towards home. So I was able to get out of the city back into to that environment that I was used to uh, and started my professional career there. And I'm guessing once you're back in that area, there are two ways you can go down. Firstly, you can go back to what it was like living at home, or you can choose to follow the path that you had then begun in college, where you weren't necessarily hanging out with the right people. So which which did you choose at that stage? I went on my own path. I was very much living my life with three words. I got this. So I, I got my own piece of property. I got my own little house. I, I had my job, which was relatively close to, to where I grew up, about a half hour. So it wasn't too far. But I was still just doing things my way. I got into racing, worked on race cars and did a lot of things there. Not, again, nothing inherently bad. But, you know, that crowd as well is a lot of alcohol, no drugs, but a lot of alcohol, a lot of late nights and shenanigans that we probably shouldn't have been getting into and things like that. My job had a lot of flexibility in it where I could do things that I wanted to do. And I was making fairly good money. So money was never an issue. never had to really worry about anything. Just doing things the way that I want to do it. If it felt good, if it was something that I found enjoyment in, you know what, I was going to lean into that and do it my way. That led down to several bad decisions that really pulled me further and further from God. When you look back, what are those sorts of decisions that you believe took you in the wrong direction? I think a lot of them were, were related around, you know, the relationships I had in my life. You know, I look back now to the, to the relationship with my ex-wife, for instance, and that started off on the, on the wrong foundation. It was more of an opportunity for us because I think we both were just lonely there was never really a, a deep connection or tie. Our relationship had a lot of ups and downs. She was dealing with some narcotic issues. I thought I could help her. I thought I could fix her. I, you know, all the things that were just wrong. In reality, is you can't fix anybody. You can't help anybody. And, and no matter how many bad signs that were there, I just ignored them. And I just kept telling God, you know what? I got this. I remember the night before we got married, I was just... The Lord was just trying to convict me, trying to tell me there's a better path, and I just wouldn't listen. So we got married. It was just very much checking the box. I got this type of mentality where I was just doing things very much the way that I want to do them. There was never any any realm of spirituality, never realm of, of worried about what God wanted. There was still alcohol in our life. There was still, I'm pretty sure at that time she she was 
clean from drugs, but I think a lot of the the leftover, you know, behind from that, just just a mental strain on her was just a strain on our relationship, and it was just never really a a love filled marriage. And then we did like every 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 other couple does when they're when they're struggling. We added kids to it because we thought, you know what, that's that that's that'll fix things, right? So we added two kids to the mix. As you probably can already guess, things didn't get any better. I mean, there were still some strains there, but we were we were the typical family here in the southern United States where we smiled, we put on a good appearance, we had good things, you know, so far as the nice house and all that. And for the most part, we got along. We didn't there wasn't a ton of, of fighting or things like that. And then all of a sudden one day I found out that she wanted to leave. So she did. She left us and she left me with, at that time, we had our three and a five-year-old little girls. She left to, to be with someone else. And at that point is really where a lot of things started changing in my life. And I could start seeing God, not that he hadn't been showing up anyway, but how I was actually starting to be obedient and listen to him moving forward. And even though that marriage wasn't great, as you say, it was more company for each other than it was a love relationship. It must have been a a terrible wrench when she said, I'm going, and even more so, I'm going because I want to be with someone other than you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, no one wants to hear that, right? Nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks that they want to, uh, this is the day that their marriage is going to end. You don't have those thoughts. We had been actually trying for a third child, and we had uh, just recently bought a new car, and had a lot of plans where we were really trying, at least I was trying, to you know, make the best out of it and to, to provide the life for our daughters that we we feel like they deserve. And uh, I didn't want them to have to go through a, a broken home or things like that. But, you know, in that moment, man, when she left, yeah, there was a ton of hurt. There was a ton of pain, emptiness. I can't believe that the life that I had planned out, the one that I told God that, you know, I got this, was not working out the way that, that I thought. You know, at the moment, though, when I had that little three and five year old staring back at me and they're basically asking me, you know, dad, what are we, we going to do now? I just went into Papa Bear mode. Like, okay, I got to take care of these girls. The, they are the priority. You know, I, there's no one else here on earth. I'm handpicked by God to take care of these girls. And that's what I went into. And that really, if I think back through it now, Rodney, that was an area, I think just being able to lean into the fatherhood requirements was a good distraction away from what was really happening with the marriage. So I never really had time to grieve that. I went straight from there to, you know, taking care of these little babies that I I had to to really just flip that switch on immediately. So it's one of those things you do what you got to do at the time, but it was definitely a, a season of high stress, of anxiety, of just worry, just trying to figure things out. But it, it was a day-to-day kind of survival mode just to get started to be honest just to make sure I could take care of those those little girls the way that I felt like they they deserved and how long did that marriage last in all it lasted almost seven years and we were together a couple years before then right like three years before so it was close to a 10-year relationship at the point from meeting each other to uh you know to where she left and you said that at the time that the relationship broke down completely, that you started to pay more attention to the way that God was calling to you. Can you help me understand how you felt God calling? You, as you mentioned, 
you felt this all the way through and yet you were ignoring it because you got this. But what was it that God was doing in calling you back to himself at that time that you recognized and you responded to? I was plugged back into the church and that was a big area for me where I had a church body who was kind of going through this with me. And I just had people speaking positive you know, affirmations into my life to you know, the trial that I was going through. When I think back through it now, I don't know how anyone goes through a trial without a community, you know, whether that's a church or body believers or, or whatever it is. For me, it was that church at the time. And that's one reason why I started to lie within us is because I, fe- I feel like there's a, just a need out there for community, particularly for men. I had a lot of those moments where people I just I actually knew people cared. I had people who would, would text me, that would call me, that would just visit me and, and help remind me of the good things that are in my life. And I felt like God placed so many of those people in those moments as I went through that trial. It was definitely His hand on that. You know, when you have trials in life, you can either run from God or you can run to Him. And I chose to run to Him. And that's been the, the common theme through the other trials and seasons of life. That, And I guess he gave me a, my life verse, which is out of James, and it says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. And it makes you like, you know, wow, in the world will he make that, that my life verse? You know, why, why would that one resonate so much? And I think I just, if you keep reading that verse, it talks about because it, it develops perseverance. When we look through life, what makes us, what really truly defines us is not what happens in the good times, but what happens in the bad. How do we respond to those moments? You know, how do we actually lean into those moments and who's going to show up? And for me, those moments are when I'm going to lean into God and I'm not, I'm not going to try to do things my way. And I think that has really been a big le- life lesson for me that I've really been able to pour into others is, you know what? It's not if the trial is going to come. It's 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 when because you're either in a trial, you're coming out of one, or you're getting ready to go into one. Those are the only three seasons that we have of life, and we can either respond by running to them or or rebelling. And I try to just be an encouragement to others to to run to him. During that very difficult time, we might expect that things are just going to go upward from there, but we know that more trials came along. What else did you have to face at that point? We actually had to get through a real trial, right? We had to get through the custody trial, so we got through that. I was awarded primary custody of the girls, so they were they were here with me. They get they get visitations with her, and then I was able to, able to meet my wife, who I'm married to now. We dated for a year, got married shortly after that. I was really doing things, or at least I was trying to do things, 100% the way God wanted me to do. You know, did I make mistakes? Absolutely. But he was at the center. He's been at the center of the relationship with my, with my current wife from the get-go. I mean, that was one of the first questions that we had each for each other. Her first, one of her first questions to me is, what is my testimony? And she wanted to understand that. And, and her faith is such an integral part of who she is. That just helped me grow in my faith, if that makes any sense. So, I mean, that was uh, just been the biggest difference of just making sure that God is at the center of our marriage having a fundamental understanding that neither one of us completes the other. When I tell people that, they're like, what are you talking about? Like when people say, you know, you complete me, they're, they're wrong. You know, it's not fair of me to ask for my wife to complete me as a man. And it's not fair of her as, as, a, as, my, as my wife to ask her, me to, to complete her as a woman. We're both flawed individuals. The only thing that, that completes either one of us 
is our relationship with Jesus. That's it. And then we're both pursuing that together. That has been the foundational core. And we've gone through some serious trials, she and I, uh, of losing babies and losing careers, uh, animals. I mean, we just, we've gone through, we had a season of life. It was basically four weeks of pure hell. The only thing we could do was look towards to him because there was, there was no getting through this on our own. Tell me about that four-week period. What was it in there that you describe as a living hell? What were the trials that you were facing one after the other during that four-week period? We wanted to try to have more children, so I had two. She had she didn't have any. We wanted to add to our family. So we got pregnant, uh, and then we had an early miscarriage the first time we got pregnant. I think she, around nine weeks she lost a baby. Pregnant again around in, at the end of 2019, our baby was due in May 2020. And if you remember what happened in March 2020, the whole world shut down. The week before our baby shower, everything happened. We didn't have our church family or anything like that. We were, it was all Zoom meetings, one after the other at that time. And everything was going great with our pregnancy. We were actually at our due date. We were excited. The bags were packed. Uh, we were getting ready to go to the hospital. Where At this point, we were in the moments of that, those final rows where you have a nursery fix everything's painted you have a a new crib all the stuff's out right you you checked all the boxes and then one night she just said i'm not really feeling our baby girl her name was faith she said i'm not feeling her i'm I'm gonna go to the hospital and check on her i said well i'm sure she's just you know sleeping Uh, she's like you know what i'm just gonna go check on her if i need you i'll call you so i said okay so we didn't want to wake our girls up it's the middle of the night and then my phone rang about 30 minutes later she said the words that I'll never forget the rest of my life. She said, you know, we've lost faith. At that moment, Ronnie, I just, I lost it. I mean, I'm on the floor in my bathroom, just tears just pouring out. I didn't know what to do. I, I was able to get my parents on the phone. They, they, which they live about an hour away. They got on the road immediately. So this is about one or two o'clock in the morning. We had to go through the process of delivering our baby girl. She was born on May 13th. Uh, she was Eight pounds, 11 ounces, beautiful girl. I mean, head full of hair, just not a flaw on her. And the only thing they could see was there may have been something with her umbilical cord, with potentially a blood clot or something like that in that delivery room. Uh, when she was born, and there's no crying baby on the other side of it. You know, there's no baby out there crying that they need to attend to. It's just, it's just quiet. It's something that will, I'll just remember the rest of my life. And, and walking through that with her, with my wife, the agony of that, you know, at that point you have to be induced. And that took almost 24 hours to, to make that happen. And then you have to actually, you know, have a natural delivery with a baby that's, there's no life there. That was just a, a, a traumatizing, obviously, moment for us where we really, we thought we were there. We were at the finish line. We were at, we were done. You know, this is, this is not like an early or baby loss of a, of a miscarriage no this is this is our little girl i remember coming home with the empty car seat and my other daughters wanting to know where their, their sister was because i made my parents not tell them because i wanted to be the one to tell them as a family and just how they broke down and just that grieving process of you know they were expecting a sister and they got nothing they got a box with some with some memories in it and then a week to the day we had a little Yorkie, little Yorkie dog, and that was actually the way that my wife and I met was through this pit, 
this is a long story, but this ultimately this dog brought us together. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we woke up one morning, one week to the day after Faith had passed, and he was dead in his cage. No, no signs of anything. He was just gone. I remember taking him to meet people that cremate animals because we didn't. I, at that point, I was so emotionally dead. I, I couldn't bury him. I, we, we just wanted to cremate him. So I met the the people who cremate animals at the funeral home where I picked up my daughter. So I'm dropping off our dead dog. And I actually picked up our dog. We had her cremated as well. And in that moment, I was just like, you got to be kidding me. This is like the worst country song on the planet. Like, I mean, there are, I know there are bad songs out there, but like nobody would believe this if I told them. And then two weeks after that, my wife, she said, you know what? I need to go back to work. I, I'm going crazy. I got to get back you know, just around people. And so she worked at a, a small church and she was just doing basic administration work for him. She walked into that church two weeks after that we've lost our daughter, we've lost our dog and they fired her with no claws, no, no, no reasons or anything like that. They just let her go. And they never acknowledged the fact that we lost our daughter. We're just sitting there in that moment like, man, we've lost our, our daughter. We've lost our dog. We've lost our job because we, we, we kind of counted on some of that income. And each one of those moments, we just we leaned into each other. And we said, you know what, God, we, we're just going to lean on you. We know there's a reason behind all this. We, we don't understand it now. And quite frankly, for when it comes to losing our daughter, we will never understand that this side of heaven. We trust that when she opened her eyes, when she closed them on earth and opened them the first time in heaven, she saw Jesus. That's the only peace we have about it but it's also been a great way for us to be able to serve other people and to help them and to share the, share our story of loss and love and, and connection and how throughout all of it we just trust in God's sovereignty and we we understand this is his plans are so much bigger than our plans and it's led to opportunities to really counsel and help people uh, and opportunities like this right here, where I'm able to tell the story with you across the world, where people will, will hear this story, and maybe there's just a little bit of ounce of hope in it. You know, maybe someone's going through a trial similar to that now, and they just feel like, you know what, I can't relate. Nobody can relate to my pain. Well, if you're hearing my story and it sounds relatable, I can relate to your pain. I know what you're going through. It's something that I wouldn't put on anybody. I hope no one ever has to go through something like that. But if you do, you just need to think about how are you going to respond. You know, because you can, when you look at the stats out there, Rodney, I'm sure you know, man, depression, anxiety, all these types of mental illnesses, they're just, they're skyrocketing because we're so disconnected and there's so much stress out there. And what I'm trying to offer people is a hope and a peace. It's not a peace that I can give them, but I can tell you one thing. We found peace in the middle of our storm together. And I don't know what, what today's going to bring or tomorrow or any of that stuff. I just know. Who's going to be at the center of it when, when those trials do come? And, I, and that's the big message that I really try to make sure people understand through through the different trials. They, they weren't just frivolous trials where we didn't learn anything. Did I wish that we didn't have to go through them? Absolutely. But going through them has definitely shaped me and formed me to be the man that I am right now. You talk about being able to offer people a hope and a peace, but listening to the story of what happened to you over just those four weeks – I want to know, where did you find hope? I know that you pressed closer together as a couple. You pressed more closely into God. Where did God step into that and start to show you glimmers of hope? 
I think it's just one day at a time, man. To be honest, there's no, I can't sit here and tell you that there is a, you know, here's this moment or some angelic encounter. It's, it's not like that. It's just, it was a piece over it where I was able to, as the leader of our family, you know, in that trial, be more intentional about my time in the word and, and in prayer. And just having that, that sense of peace throughout the entire situation of, you know what, we've lost her. We don't understand it, but she's with him. All the days that we have ordained for us are, are written down in his book. And this was, all, this was her days. That was it. We didn't hear the, the audible voice of God or anything like that. There's nothing like that. It was just a peace that comes when you put him at the center. I'll tell you one thing, the time and the word increased dramatically. We're just spending more time reading and listening to him. Our prayer life took off. We actually started being more intentional around our prayer, our prayer life together, family devotions and things like that. I think that just really helped, if anything, snap into focus for us what the priority should be and versus what the things of life that, that we feel are important. And all of a sudden, when you start lining those things up for us, it was those moments that we could feel him the most, you know, uh, instead of running away from church activities or or, or connection, let's lean into those. And I think in those, kind of thinking back now, talking out loud with you, I think that's where he did show up the most. It was those little bitty encounters of people reaching out to us all the time where we had no idea that they had lost children. You know, not the same way we did, but man, you, you never know how many people go through miscarriages and things like that until you actually have one or you walk a trial like that. And man, it was just incredible to see people show up and just that outpouring of love. And that's God's hands and feet. They're just, they're the hands and feet of Jesus right there. And it's like, okay, now I get it. When people are talking about God's love and his mercy and his grace, this it's us. It's the people around us. Are we showing up? Are we actually showing up with true empathy and, and compassion for others? And do we show that do we, to others? Do we... Or do, are we just being surface level? And I tell you what, I didn't see any surface level in, in those trials. We, I showed, I saw God's love and his hands and feet moving directly around us. And that's what we try to do for others because we've gone through that. We've, we've walked through that. And I think that, those are some of the moments that really stand out the most. In all of your story, there is this sense of relationship being so important, certainly a relationship with God, but also the relationships with others around you, that relationship with your father as a mentor that kept you on the straight and narrow. Then, of course, relationship with others at college, which took you away from that. The relationship with your first wife, again, the, that was taking you away from God. And now you're in a relationship with a wife that together you are seeking God's face. You're seeking to be with other people that know Jesus and draw closer to him. And so there's relationship all around, and it seems to me that that must be a big part of the reason that you created the community, The Lion Within Us. Maybe you can tell me a little about that community, The Lion Within Us. What's that all about? Yeah, I mean, really the big thing for, and you're all over, relationship is, is so important. And I also just refer to it as community. And, and when I think back now, when I became a believer, I never had any strong men mentors that were teaching me that were that were showing me what it meant to be a strong christian man i'm not pointing fingers or, or blaming the church on that that just that that at that time and my season of life there those guys just weren't there 
and I started looking at the church that I'm a currently member of, and really, it's it's not there either. You know, there's some strong Christian men, but they are all busy. <laughs> you know, they're all doing their thing. There, there's no actual discipleship focus there of, of helping uh, others grow in their relationship with Christ. And I was like, you know what? This is an opportunity. And God laid it on my heart to start this ministry of, of being able to help Christian men be the leaders that God intends them to be. And we started off with a uh, podcast that's now really started to gain a lot of momentum with listeners out there. So it's every week we try to put some light out in, on, in the podcast world, just the way, the very similar way that you are, where we focus on men and we try to give them stories and insights to how to be that leader that, that God intends them to be. And we focus on areas of health, wealth, and self. How do we take care of our mind and our body? How do we take care of our career and our finances? How do we take care of be better husbands and better dads? And we do that by showing them real-life examples of others who have either learned, gone through some trials, gone through some seasons, or are experts in some of these areas a focus of how do we take God's word that can be so confusing, that can be so hard to let guys know, look, you don't have to have a degree in theology or Greek or Hebrew or anything like that or go to seminary to lead your family well. You know, you can take this, God, this I'm, I've got my Bible right here in front of me. You can take this copy of God's word and you can simplify and apply it. That's it. How can we simplify and apply God's word? Because Jesus' teachings at the end of the day were very simple, very direct. But we need to start applying this stuff. We started an online community. It meets virtually. We have our own app. We have our own platform. So it's not built on Facebook or anything like that. So when these men are here, when they're showing up to these virtual events, and we pretty much have an event every day of the week, Monday through Friday. We even have some Saturday events where these guys can come in. They can be super intentional and focused on growing as the leaders that God intends them to be. The big thing is the connection they have with others. So through the platform, they have the ability to, to chat with each other and message each other, just like you kind of would on a Facebook. But it's very cool because these guys now, if they're part of the lion, they have a similar worldview. They have similar goals. They, they have an opportunity to share the struggles. And I've, asked, I've often asked these guys, like, they'll show up and they'll start talking about the issues they have. What happened this weekend, somebody messaged me, actually. He was struggling with pornography. And he's like, you know, man, I've been struggling with pornography. I need an accountability partner. Would you be that for me? And we're like, I absolutely would be a, your accountability partner for that. And they'll show up and they'll talk about that. They'll talk about their financial stresses or the, the things that are going on in their marriage that they just can't understand and they need help with. And these men in this community, they just rally together. And, I, and I've asked them, why do you share? Why, why are you guys so open and honest? Because literally some of you guys just met each other. And you're talking about these very intimate details of your life. And they just say, look, it just feels like when I'm here, I feel comfortable in doing that. And the bigger thing is I'm also recognized if I share it with you, I know I'm not going to run into you when we go to the grocery store later. Right. So I think just there's a little bit of level of, uh, of separation from the people too, where they just feel more open and honest to be able to share that versus sharing in their, in their local church community, if you will. We're not the church. What we tell people is we're a very good supplement for your church. So if you are looking to amp up your, your men's group or you just feel like you just disconnected, isolated and alone and you just need somewhere to go be heard and to share your story and to, and to share your struggles, the lion within us is a great way to do that. 
If someone is wanting to connect with you or to find that community, the lion within us, where's the easiest place for them to go? The website is the lion, that's T H E, lion within dot us. So the lion within dot us is where you get all the resources. We have some, uh, lots of free giveaways out the gate. I don't want to charge anybody anything out the gate. I want them to see fully 100% what the experience is about and if it aligns. You know, the, do the, t- the meeting times align, right? Do the topics align. Uh, that's the easiest way to get started. Just jump in into the lionwithin.us, start that 30-day free trial to, to be part of our community. Again, the lionwithin.us is where you can get connected or you can send an email to me, chris at the lionwithin.us. I will respond to that directly. So I just want to make sure to be as open and transparent as I can for anybody who's interested in what we're offering. Just to check out those resources or, or message me and we'll, we'll make it happen for you. And I will put links in the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net. Chris, it's been a delight to talk to you, to hear some of those struggles, but also the way that you've overcome those struggles and the way that you've turned things around to help others. So I just want to thank you so much for your time on Bleeding Daylight today. Oh, this has been an honor, Rodney. Thank you again. I pray this is something that's going to resonate with some of your listeners out there and just for this opportunity, then just a true blessing. So thank you again for all that you're doing. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.